Welcome to Nothing Is OB South Texas Golf Podcast, episode number 48. Now today, I always have a special guest. We'll get into Christy Cano's story a little bit and here in a little bit. But first, a word from our sponsor. Uh, thank you for sponsoring the show. I have gold sponsor, Michael Ayagiri. He's a financial advisor for Capital Strategies. Now, in this COVID time, in this pandemic, it's really good that you have somebody look over your finances, somebody that you trust, somebody that's going to take care of you if something were to happen, something were to go wrong, and even later on in life as you get into those retirement years. Michael Ayagiri is the man to call. You can call his office at 210-332-4705. Now, I wouldn't just have anybody as a sponsor for my show, but Mike's got a great passion for helping others, and he will really take care of you. So I'm super thankful to have Mike a part of the show. You can also reach him at his website at www.michael-aguirre.com. Make sure you hit him up. He'll take care of you. Now, on to the show. All right. Now, today I have somebody that I've always wanted to have on the show, especially since the podcast has really uh, grown excuse me, leaps and bounds, a new format, having a lot of vlogs. I have Christy Cano tonight. Now, she is a San Antonio high school legend playing and graduating from Edison High School here in San Antonio, Texas, playing at Oklahoma State, playing collegiate golf at Oklahoma State. Also, she is now currently the men's head golf coach here in San Antonio at Texas A&M San Antonio for the Jaguars. Uh, she's done some great things in golf. She's played in three U.S. Opens, been a part of the LPGA Tour. And so I'm really excited to get into her story. All right. Thanks for joining the show tonight, Christy. Oh, thank you. I'm excited. I've been hearing great things, so I couldn't wait to be able to get on with you and chat about golf. Well, I'm going to tell you, I always see your picture after having a round at Brack. We go to the 19th hole over there at the Paga Bar. They still have a picture of you up from your high school days and they're in the bar. And so, like, I always see it. And I'm like, man, I, I always have, I have to get her on the show. Well, thanks. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. And uh, I feel like I grew up and spent more time at Brack and the clubhouse than I did at home. So uh, it's definitely, like, part of my childhood for sure. Well, let's get right into uh, your golf journey. Now, one thing is, is that one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on the show is because I really feel, and I don't know if the young females here, the young female golfers here in San Antonio really know that you're, you are one of the, the biggest, if not the biggest uh, trailblazers for women, uh, for girls going to, to play college golf here in San Antonio you really started the trend and girls have just, it's caught on like, like fire, like a wildfire here in town. Yeah. It's, it's great to see the, the growth of junior golf, not only in San Antonio, but just in Texas in general, because growing up, we had the San Antonio junior golf tour, which was, you know, just tournaments we'd play around the city that were um, pretty affordable. Um, and usually there was only two or three girls and we'd get paired up with the guys and, we didn't really think about it at the time. We were just out there having a good time. And, um, you know, even going to colleges, getting recruited, you know, like UIW didn't yet have a women's golf program. So, you know, that was something that uh, for being such a big city was was kind of surprising to me. But, um, you know, in the end, it's, it's just great to see um, what so many people are doing just in San Antonio and the state to have the different junior golf tours um, around for 
to get more kids engaged and into the sport? Well, speaking with my good buddy, Ken Palacios, uh, he's really, uh, and it's by personal experience, and I'm sure you know it in anything that you really do or any business or people that you have relationship with, it's always a word of mouth, references, right? And Ken speaks super highly of you and he, that you worked with his daughters and that even now that his daughters are coming home, he said that you'll still work with, uh, I don't know which one is it, Chloe, Emily, which oh, one? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Chloe, he said, he said, I don't know what's wrong with her, Andy, because she still charges them the same damn rate as she <laughs> did when they were juniors. <laughs> and uh, it seems like, you know, from getting talking with Ken, he says you're one of the best junior golf instructors or mentors around. Yeah, I think uh, just from growing up as a junior, playing the sport, um, just being around it and, and just really you know, when you're instructing juniors, I feel like you learn and take away so much from the from the kids because, you know, I learned different strategies, you know, what works for kids under the age of 10. And you can't be talking about, um, you know, parallel lines or things they may not even have learned yet in school. And, and you have to teach them at their level and just be personable with them and communicate in a way that they're going to understand whether it's, you know, follow the line or or follow, follow uh, you know, I, I know uh, Coach Velasquez will probably uh, laugh about this, but I would always use water bottle caps for for Emily when we were teaching just to help kind of keep her state to stay down on it. I'd put them like a few inches in front of the golf ball and, you know, have her hit down. So when we'd have lessons, he'd come with the Ziploc bag of little bottle caps. With <laughs> so we can, we can have them instead of having to go, you know, pick the same one back up. But uh you know, I, I definitely, as an instructor, um, learn, you know, get feedback from, from kids, you know, on, on what translates to get them to understand. So, um, but uh, yeah, I, I truly am passionate about, about the game and most importantly, teaching young kids because, you know, that, that's how I got started. So how did it all start for you? Where did it, where did it all begin? Uh, was it something that you did with your dad or I know your, your brother, right? You have a brother as well. And uh, how did it all start for you getting into the game of golf? Because you know what? I got a little something here. Look at that. I got it. I, got, I, I, did, I did some research right there. I did some digging was, on you. I that was taken digging. That was taken last week, if y'all didn't know. <laughs> no, that, that was actually uh, at San Pedro Driving Range. That was uh, I was two years old in that picture. And it's funny because that's actually my backswing. And I still do that to this day with my swing when I take the club back. I'm actually looking back as I come through. Um, and somebody one time they said, well, what do you look at when you're swinging? And they really messed me up because I had no idea. And, and this picture always makes me laugh because like I, I'm taking it back, but I'm looking the other way. But, um, but yeah, I started uh, at San Pedro at a very young age. Um, my family went on a vacation. This is the story. I wasn't born yet, but this is the story that I've heard that we went on a vacation to Minnesota to, to visit my uncle. Well, I wasn't there yet. I was with my, in my mom's belly and, um, my uncle taught, taught my, I have three older brothers taught them the game and they really liked it and came back and said, you know, Hey dad, we want to keep, keep this up and found out we lived, you know, five minutes from San Pedro and, um, the rest is kind of history. We spent uh, lots of times, definitely way more time uh, at the driving range than 
um, you know, any skate park or roller skating ring or the mall or anything. That was our, you know, our playground. And we just stayed there all night, just having fun and enjoying it. <clears throat> now, as I, I was looking at your, at your picture right there, I was like, is she a lefty? I'm like, it was just, I was like, just looking at it. It was kind of, it was kind of a weird, a weird looking picture. Right. And how did it start? I mean, how old are you right now? I, I think uh, we're, same, we're close in the same age. Yeah. I just uh, turned the big four Oh, uh, on new year's Eve. So, uh, yeah. You're, you're I'm, new year's Eve baby. I'm a new year's Eve baby. Oh, yeah. man. I, I get the joke that, uh, since my dad was a tax man, he did taxes as well, that he, he planned that out so he could, be able to claim me for the whole year for, for <laughs> 1980. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's been, uh, I've been playing golf when I tell people I've been playing golf for 38, 37 years. It's, it dates me. I'm like, Whoa, I'm getting up there. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I've, I've enjoyed being a part of the game, learning it, playing it, teaching it, coaching it now. Um, it's, it's just been, you know, part of my life since I was, you know, before I was born. So, well, as you talk about Emily and uh, about Ken bringing those, uh, little bottle caps, right. Uh, I know this is, this is probably him. It says Emily still has a Ziploc bag of bottle caps. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. So it's, it's a good training tool and, and they're, uh, they're pretty cheap. Now looking at, uh, I saw, I saw you commented earlier in the week on uh, Facebook about Edison high school, about, one of their championships or a district win or something like that and saying how, you know, you were proud, you're a proud graduate of Edison. Now, how did that, did you play golf during that time? Or because I think uh, it didn't seem like golf was that huge in the schools around when we were in high school. Yeah. And, you know, back when I was in high school, we, we had a few guys um, for the boys team. Um, there was, there was nobody on the girls team. Um, I just, you know, obviously since I was at high school there, um, I, I wanted to, to compete and, and the coach that I had, um, you know, what did what he needed to do to get me in tournaments and, um, you know, for getting towards district, I, I told a couple of my friends, Hey, y'all want to miss a couple of days of school for district. Um, and so that's how I got our team together to be able to go. And we won district. I, I don't remember how many years. Uh, we won as a team, but, um, and then, you know, we went on to regionals and I qualified as an individual. So um, that was kind of the, the basis of the team and, and to see the the progress that they've made and winning district, you know, and having a, a solid team is, is pretty cool to see and seeing them having, you know, uniforms. And, you know, I was a, a kind of going to state and regionals, a one man show with, um, you know, uh, a shirt and, to see them, you know, with cool visors and polos and stuff and, and cool golf bags is, is pretty cool to, to see how they, how they've uh, improved and grown. Now, how is it that you were able to get exposed to uh, such a collegiate powerhouse like Oklahoma state? Um, I think uh, I was fortunate and, uh, you know, one of the reasons I love San Antonio so much is, you know, I owe a great deal to, to the community. And you talked about the, the Pan American clubhouse and, um, you know, without the help and support of, of the community with fundraisers and, and putting tournaments and, you know, uh, fundraisers, golf tournaments to help me raise money to go to national tournaments. 
Uh, I definitely uh, wouldn't have been able to participate in those tournaments. And, you know, now there's so many different junior tours. And back then it was just AJGA or, you know, like STPGA um, and then just the local San Antonio ones. And uh, I was fortunate enough for the few AJGA tournaments I played in in Texas, I won or got in the top three. So that's really where like the college coaches um, started noticing players and, you know, seeing stats. And um, it was just kind of a um, be at the right place at the right time. I, I played in the, I think it was, it was an AJGA uh, like tournament of champions at the end of, of my junior year, I think. And I ended up getting paired up in match play with a girl from Oklahoma who was, a senior about to go to Oklahoma state and um, it was a match play and I actually made a hole in one on one of the holes and I still lost the match, but, um, but she talked about Oklahoma state the whole time. And, and we got, we got along really well. And she just, you know, you have to come on a visit. And honestly, I really wasn't looking to go out of state because I was really close to my family, but she talked so highly of it. And um, you know, I guess, you know, she talked to the coach about me and, um, you know, I, I got recruited from a few other schools as well. And, and, uh, just, I went on a visit and I just fell in love with it. Just everything fit and, uh, full scholarship obviously was at the top of the list of the decisions and, you know, why I chose to go there. And, um, but it was, it was a great decision that I made because, you know, if you don't get good with those facilities that we had at our disposal, it was, something that you were probably doing wrong, you know, so just lack of dedication or something. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, I bleed a different kind of horns than you do. Some of, the, some of the people down South, you know, with, with the long horns, but, uh, um, uh, Hey, but, uh, hey, Road Runners! Right, look, you saw Rowdy last night, according yeah. to one of your one of your posts. You got to see Rowdy last night. Yeah, his dance skills weren't as good as General the Jaguar, though. Well, but, well, uh, well, I'm going to tell you, you know what? I actually hired hired him to do my oldest daughter's party one year, right? Oh, cool! And, and I didn't know that there's like several different rowdies. There's like you know the acrobatic one. There's the 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 dancing one. You know that's like part of the dance team, and there's just the student or the one that just does shows up and does the appearance. Sure? <laughs> that's <laughs> so, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty neat. And um, I think you, I think y'all might've got just the one that comes out and does, does the appearances. We might have to do another dance off to see <laughs> who's going to win that one. Well, getting recruited, it seems like it was kind of like the perfect storm for you and, you know, playing really well. And then obviously, you know, having somebody inside helping you get recruited. Now, it seems like when speaking with a lot of people in the game that have been here for a long time in the city of San Antonio that are enriched in the golf game, uh, you know, guys like, like Greg Hiller, Arnie Martinez, it seems like you were one of the trailblazers for getting, getting the, the ball rolling for female golfers to be recruited here and for San Antonio to be a hot spot for collegiate golfers. Now, did you have anybody that you looked up to as a female golfer in this industry or this game as you were on the rise up? Um, I can't really think of anybody as far as from San Antonio. Um, Wendy Ward is definitely um, one. She was on the LPGA and, and she went to, uh, I believe, Roosevelt High School. Um, and, and, you know, I didn't know her that well at the time, but then ended up getting to meet her and 
Um, actually, I have a picture of her. We were at a tournament together. I was about eight and she was in the older division and she's picking me up because I was a little shrimp. She picked me up and we were holding our trophies together. Um, but then she went on to the LPGA and um, really her and, and just watching the LPGA on TV with my dad, uh, seeing Nancy Lopez. And, and the one thing that drew me to the LPGA was like, oh, they play golf. I play golf. And I really want one of those really cool staff bags that they get to carry around because that looks so cool. And, and uh, that was really, um, you know, just getting inspired watching them on TV. And, um, you know, it was just really I just enjoyed being at the golf course. And, you know, it, it was just so much fun. I had friends that we'd go to San Pedro. They used to stay open till like 11 or 12 o'clock and we just play short game games all night long and hit balls and play the part three and it was just like oh wow we're getting pretty good at this you know just because we were just hanging out we weren't like spending hours and hours on our own we were making it fun and, and uh you know it, it turned into to be you know to work out so so at your time at oklahoma state obviously you saw that you were going to be able to, to take a stab and, and make a go at the lpga now how did that come to be was that like throughout your whole career or did that start becoming more of a reality, I guess, your junior or senior year? Um, I think it was more towards my junior year. Uh, my first two years, I was still getting adjusted to, to being in such a different environment, uh, you know, being from San Antonio um, and then going up to Stillwater. It was a little bit of a culture shock that definitely took some time for me to get adjusted to. Um, but once I did, you know, I, I kind of came out of my shell because when I was in high school, I was definitely uh, a lot shyer and, and more reserved and kind of intimidated. And uh, then I opened up and, and, you know, I had a great coach that was always encouraging and, and, and pushing us. And um, I did really well my junior year. That was uh, my best season that I had. I was I think my highest ranking was was 16th. Um, in the nation. And, and I was really proud of that because, um, you know, I, that was the year that I really kind of woke up and came out of my shell and was like, just be yourself, you know, and, and I had so much fun with, with all my experiences um, at Oklahoma State. And I just kind of the light kind of clicked, I guess. And just like, just go play, just go, go have fun. You know, this is once in a lifetime opportunity. And um, just, it was just so easy to with the environment to just go, you know, do homework, go to the course. And um, we didn't really have specific set schedule. It was just like, I better see you out here all week kind of thing, you know. Um, but nobody, I mean, everybody was out there. So it made it, again, it made it fun. And, and getting to play Karsten Creek every day was, you know, you know, if you could shoot three over for 18 holes or better on that course, um you were doing something well because uh, those greens, um, those greens were tough and the bunkers, I think my junior year, they got the sand imported from Augusta. Um, so that made them even that more difficult. Um, but it was definitely a high quality golf course and, and I was playing well. And that's when I kind of realized like, you know, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well, you know, cause when I first came in being from a lower income school and not a very strong golf program, I thought like, you know, I had some work to do, um, but individually I, I kept working hard. I had all the uh, facilities to, to my disposal and I was able to, you know, 
keep getting better and, and hone my game and, and all my skills and, and get better getting to, to practice with a solid team and, and, and great facilities there at, at Oklahoma State. Now, is Eskimo Joe's one of your favorite places? Um, probably my – I'll be <laughs> honest. I probably went there twice the whole time I was there. I, no. Just because – I just with traveling and, you know, we go to a tournament, come back, and just hang out. I mean, we, we probably all hung out more just at our apartment or somebody's house and just, you know – more so just with the team, like with the men's golf team or just the women's golf team, just doing dumb stuff like having a friend's night. This is when Friends was on TV every Thursday and there was no DVR. I was like, okay, we got to be ready to watch Friends and make popcorn or do whatever we're going to do. Um, I wasn't much of a, like a beer drinker or partier, you know, because uh, um, I, I don't know. I just felt like it took me too long to recover and be ready to go, you know? <laughs> So um, that's how it's supposed to be as you're older. Like it takes you days <laughs> to recover, days to recover. Yeah, but, now that I'm in my forties. Yeah, I, I, it just uh, alcohol has never been a, a good friend to me. It just doesn't sit well with me. But, uh, but uh, you know, there was other ways to have fun. But I mean, it was cool though to have that retractable roof. Um, I actually went back. Gosh, I went to Stillwater for a weekend when they actually played UTSA. Um, I can't remember what year that was, like three or four or five years ago, maybe. Um, I was like, oh, that'd be a cool weekend to go watch, you know, watch them play UTSA. So I made a weekend of it, and uh, it's changed so much since I, since I was there. It's like, oh, wow. They've pumped a lot a lot more money, that oil money, that T. Boone Pickens money uh, oh, yeah. in, into the facilities. And that's good because, you know what, you always want uh, – college kids to have that college experience and have it better than, than you did before, you know, for, especially for the athletes that have come after you. Now, what was the, the highlight of your collegiate career as an individual? And you, I know you told me that you got ranked pretty high, uh, but did y'all do anything really special as a team or just individually? Um, we did actually, uh, we had a very strong team uh, of players. I had about three or four players from Sweden um, throughout the time that I was there. And uh, we won three big 12 championships, uh, team championships um, of the four years I was there. Um, and the one we didn't win, we lost by one stroke to OU. And I have flashbacks still of the four putt I had on like my eighth hole. And I can still remember that vividly. Um, but, you know, you think of all the strokes in a team and to lose by one stroke, you know, it, it, it's one of those, things that makes it even worse when you lose by, you know, instead of losing, I'd rather lose by 20 than one shot because, you know, you can think of five each day in a tournament that, that you gave away. Um, but uh, we, we had a very, very strong team. There was about five players on my team that, that uh, played professional golf either on the LPGA um, or the European tour um, because there were some Swedish players. So, uh, we we definitely had some depth on our team that uh, that that made us very strong um, for for about four or five years that I was there. So, so why don't you? That was pretty interesting. It seems like that's something pretty heartbreaking. Why don't you kind of set the scene for that uh, that hole? Uh, my four putt. <laughs> I, I've had <laughs> I've had two four putts in my life that 
that feel like they were yesterday. I'll talk about the the first one that that was actually my freshman year, and our Big Twelve was was in Lubbock at Texas Tech. Um, I don't know the name of the course. It wasn't at the the Rawls course, it, the new course. It was open, or I don't know what it's called. Um, and uh, it was a par three and really fast greens. And um, I don't know. I, I think I just mentally kind of checked out or was daydreaming or or just not zoned in on the day. And um, because it was the final round, I just I got distracted. Maybe I was worn out from the week. I don't know, but I, it was just, it just went by so fast. And then I, you know, picked up my ball out of the hole. I was like, what just happened? And, and uh, so I, I definitely beat myself up about that. But um, everybody had a rough day that final round. Um, so we definitely lost the tournament instead of, you know, just, I mean, oh, you played well, but uh, we gave up some strokes that we shouldn't have for sure. Now, what about the second four putt? Um, the second floor putt was at the 2005 U.S. Women's Open at Cherry Hills in, in Colorado. Um, I think it was maybe the third hole, which was probably the easiest slash hardest hole on the course because it's one of those tricky holes where you hit like a 100-yard layup shot and then you have like a gap wedge in. And uh, But the green was just torturous and um it it just had a severe slope from back to front and uh you know i i hit like a pitching wedge up there and i hit it long and i remember bouncing through like all the cable wires that were behind the green so i had this ridiculous downhill chip where i basically had to sneeze to get the ball rolling and and it would probably still roll off the green but i i chipped it pretty good and i had like a five footer I left myself a five footer down straight downhill, which was, which was bad to begin with. And then just kept playing ping pong and the hole was invisible or something. And, and uh, I missed the cut by two strokes. So I always think about, about that four putt that being the reason, but I mean, there was a lot of other shots, but that, you know, when you do something, you know, four putt from five feet, five feet, you know, those things that you don't do ordinarily just kind of stick out in your, Stick out in your head a little bit more. Man, that that seems like it uh, it would eat it, it had to have eaten you up. It did because it that was my very first LPGA tour event. So I mean, I had a whole lot of emotions as it was. You know, I I was you know wanting to run down the fairway and get you know autographs from these people that I've been watching these women that had been watching on TV and just so distracted and. And I was really proud of myself with how I played, you know, um, and just kind of upset at the same time because little mistakes that, like, I knew I could have done so much better than I finished. So <clears throat> now, would you say from all the golf that you've played and the instructing that you've done, is that where the game's really kind of won and lost? It's just kind of like those mental lapses or those mental moments that, uh, for the good people, you always hear it. You hear it constantly from like Michael Jordan or any of these guys that when they're, when they get in the zone, as you would call it, that everything kind of slows down for them. And as opposed to maybe some people and amateurs like me, hat golfers like me and other people's where they have, uh, sometimes it goes, it happens fast. Yeah. I think, um, you know, until you're in the situation and feeling it, um, you know, as a kid in high school, you know, you have those nerves, but you're just a kid. You're just out there playing. And that's why you hear a lot of pros 
Um, I, I've seen a video where Speed's like, I just got to remember to go play like I did or go putt like I did when I was a kid because uh, you have, you're not results oriented. You're just out there having fun. Um, and, you know, after, you know, I thought my, I had a mentally tough um, mindset, you know, growing up because I was playing in, in high school tournaments against these very high ranked schools. And, and, you know, I was definitely intimidated, but, you know, I was still able to win, you know, big tournaments, um, even though I felt like I was, you know, intimidated in a sense, or maybe I wasn't good enough because I didn't have what they had. But, um, you know, after I worked with uh, like a sports psychologist, um, really trying to work on how to handle the, you know, demon in your mind, I guess, when you're in that tournament or competitive environment, um, it's like, okay, how do we talk this little demon off the ledge so you're not going to miss that three foot putt that you need to make and and it's just being able being able to know how to manage your emotions and and how to talk yourself out of it and how because everything you say in your mind or even out loud is going to stay with you um so you have to work on just like we practice the physical part we have to practice the the mental part of it um it's harder to do in practice obviously um, but that's what, you know, for teams, qualifying rounds are good for to see how players react under pressure. Like, OK, we only have five spots. There's nine of us. You guys go play, grind it out. And um, that's where you can work on the mental aspect of learning how to control, you know, your mind when, when you're out there and, and not let it get ahead of you and take over. Now, I would always see you at San Pedro there, always instructing, always teaching, always coaching. And obviously, you know, w- w- your name would come up. Oh, um, you know, Christy qualified for the U.S. Open. And like you stated, I think the last uh, U.S. Open you were in 2013. Am I right? Correct. Uh, where was that one played at? That one is pl- was played at Sabonic. It's actually right next door to Shinnecock Hills okay. um, out in the like East New York, the Hamptons area. <clears throat> now, uh when did you realize that I guess the LPGA dream is kind of over? Cause that's that, that, that I'm sure it, it, it's, it comes to a hard part where you have to kind of come to grips with yourself that uh, do I keep chasing or, or what, you know, what is, when did that happen? Yeah, I think it was in my last full year on tour was 2010. And uh, I went to Q school that December And just kind of like maybe midway through that year, um, I just felt like, you know, I kind of had in my mind, like, okay, when I hit 30, you know, I have kind of have to see where I'm at. Am I still enjoying this? Because that's what it's all about. Like you, you have to be passionate, especially as a a playing professional. Um, You have to live, eat and breathe practicing and, and, and traveling. and, And you have to enjoy it because if you don't, it's gonna it's gonna end faster than than it starts and and it was one of those things where just I, mentally um, you know I, I just didn't have that desire and um, you know I lost my dad in, in 2007 which was like right in the middle of of my first year back because I had a medical exemption in 2006 and uh, so I lost my dad in the middle of 2007 and I feel like kind of after that like it took me a while to get back and. And, um, but after that, I just feel like I lost some motivation to, 
to keep playing and, and keep keep doing it like that. I just I didn't have that desire anymore. And, and uh, I think, uh, you know, in 2010, that's when I halfway through that year is when I kind of realized, like, you know, I don't I don't want to do this anymore um, because it was, you know, I was getting frustrated um, financially. It's it's tough if you're you're not playing great. Um, you're not making cuts. It, it, it can add up, quick, add up quick. You're losing thousands of dollars every week if you're if you're not making a cut, you know, um, with travel expenses and, and caddy fees and stuff like that. And, and so um, but uh, I think that was probably um, about the time I, I stopped playing in 2010. And, and, uh, and then I started working for the trail um, and qualified in 2013. I had been three years away from competing full time, but it was one of those things where I just went out to go play. I was like, Hey, why not? I was like, if, if I play like, you know, dog poop, I'm going to come back tomorrow and I'm going to have, I'm going to have a job still. So, um, I didn't put any expectations on myself, went out and played three, you know, 36 holes in one day, which is really just a, a mental test. And, um, my short game was on point and, you know, I, I qualified, which was probably one one of the more enjoyable um, qualifiers that, that I played in to to get there, which was which was really cool. So, you 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 still showed yourself that you still got it somewhere, right? You still got it. <laughs> I, I have bits and pieces, but as I've gotten older, you know, it, it takes me a while to kind of prepare. I can't just go tee it up on number one without stretching or anything, because it'll take me about four holes to loosen loosen up all the bones. <laughs> that's that's I'm 40 see I'm 41 and so that was one of my biggest golf goals this year is that being properly uh, warmed up for a round right and so uh, I, I've talked to many instructors and I've had I think it was uh, I had Trevor Salzman he's the director of instruction at Briggs out of Briggs for the Dormy Network and uh, you know he was talking about about how you he goes how do you warm up he goes are you one of these guys that just pound balls and I said, well, I said, I don't really pound balls because I'm not really that much of a pounder of the pound <laughs> balls. Like I'm not a range guy. I'm more of a grinder. Like I'm, uh, everyone tells me, Hey, you have a really good punch game. I said, yeah, no crap. Because I'm always in the trees. Right? <laughs> I'm always in, I'm always in some mess. And so I better be good at that. But I started to like, to, to at least run, walk a mile before my rounds. And I, and I realized that that has really helped me out when I don't, it takes me nine holes to get ready. And by that time, the, I mean, the round is over. <laughs> you know, I, I shot a 36 at, at the bandit this past Monday. Nice. And yeah. Don't ask me what I shot on the front. <laughs> right? But, um, you know, it's because I was, I was proper. I was, I finally got warmed up and, uh, you know, so, so that was one of my goals is like you stated is that there were older now it takes a while. And when I do just get on first tee without warming up, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to get the results that, you know, I prepared for, which you know are bad results. Right. Now, as an instructor, uh, I know you started off, I know you started uh, coaching at, obviously, at the trail, and you worked with a lot of junior golfers, and I know you worked at uh, Victoria, I know you were at University of Houston out of Victoria there, and you got the calling to come back home to San Antonio at the University of Texas A&M in San Antonio. Uh, how did that all come to play out? Yeah, um, you know, I, uh, I was with the trail, and, and then I towards the last few years that I was working uh, with them, I, you know, I, I realized doing different 
different things with the trail managing, doing some merchandising thing and teaching. That's when I really realized uh, that, you know, I was very passionate about teaching, working with kids or, you know, coaching. Um, and it, it was something, the, the part of the golf industry that I really enjoyed. Um, and then um, that's when I had gone that my last year, I had gone back to Q school one more time, just um, because I had that itch again and, and uh, didn't, didn't make it, but uh, you know, and, and came back and, and realized that, you know, I, I really want to get into coaching and, and as a collegiate coach, it, it's tough to, to get into to that field if you don't have any experience um, in collegiate co- coaching specifically, most of the time um, for positions like that, you know, they require at least three years of collegiate coaching experience. Um, so I knew it was one of those things where, you know, I, I, I felt like I kind of had to take a step back and kind of start from the bottom in that position. Um, so that's when I just kind of started the search and, and, you know, saw that, uh, University of Houston, Victoria was hiring an assistant coach. So, um, you know, I was offered that position started there, August, 2016. And, um, you know, for me, I kind of was at the right place at the right time where that head coach was taking another head coaching position. And, and basically right after I accepted the job, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm heading out West or out East to, you know, to, to another job. And, and, you know, for me, I, I was looking at it as, you know, this is an opportunity to show them that I can handle coaching, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd in the sense that I'm organized and, uh, have good administrative skills. So that part wasn't going to, you know, be an issue. So, um, you know, I, I used that opportunity. It was, you know, interim coaching the men's and women's teams and, um, and was there for about four years. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a great opportunity, um, a position for me to be in, to be able to just kind of learn, learn more of the ins and outs of coaching. Um, it's a, it's a smaller community, um, but, you know, I had a lot of support and um, it was it was a great start to to give me the opportunity to to, to potentially be um, where I am now. And, um, you know, after the third year or so, I was definitely I mean, Victoria is not that far, but, you know, I'm very close to my family and friends. And and, you know, I was coming back to San Antonio. Um, also, I feel like there's just a lot more opportunity you know, I, I, I like this community, have enjoyed teaching and working in it. And, and Victoria is, is a little bit smaller. Um, there's not as many teaching opportunities as far as, you know, coaching and stuff. And, um, and I always knew in the back of my mind that A&M San Antonio was going to start growing and they were going to have athletics, you know. So for five, five, six years, I, I kind of had it like, they're getting bigger, they're getting bigger. I know it's going to happen. And as soon as I saw the, the job, you know, post, um, uh, I got really excited. Uh, I applied and, um, you know, kind of got bummed because I didn't really hear anything for a while. But um, but then I got a call and, uh, you know, the rest is history. I, I got I was offered the position and um, I was super excited. And, and uh, it's funny because my athletic director actually played football at Oklahoma State uh, two years that I was there. So, you know, we had that to connect on and um, and, uh, so to be able to work, work with a fellow cowboy, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. And, and just to be a part of something new and then be the first coach and have the first team. And, um, and it, you know, I was fortunate. The only positive thing for me that kind of came out of COVID was, 
you know, kind of in March is when I took the position and that's right when COVID happened. And um, that was the hardest part was having to leave my team in the middle of the busiest part of the season, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, I, it, it kind of worked out perfect for me. And, um, but, uh, you know, I, I've enjoyed the experience. COVID's made it 10 times more difficult starting a program, let alone adding COVID into it, but uh, we've managed and, you know, we've come out stronger and managed through all this and we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. So we're super excited to to get the seasons, you know, and program under a couple years under our, be- our belt as we go forward. Now, as the great thing about starting the program is, is that, hey, you're like you're setting the tone. And so everyone kind of has to follow you, you know, later on down the road. And that's the good thing is that, uh, you know, you have so many first. You have, you know, first this, first that. You're able to create create your own traditions and mm-hmm. your own, uh, you know, your own way of how you do things. Now, what has been probably one of the biggest struggles as being as a program as young as y'all are and being a, a young golf team per se, especially with dealing with all this COVID time? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is just, you know, trying to, there's so many different things that we've never experienced before. Like obviously everything we're doing, this is the first, this first that, um, and then our first pandemic ever. And, and, um, just the, the policies and procedures like AM San Antonio, um, you know, really the AM system, we're very fortunate that they have, uh, a very fine tooth combed, uh, policies and procedures and COVID testing sites on campus. And uh, the student athletes are getting tested every week. The students in the dorms are getting tested every month. Um, So that really helped us to be able to even get to play this spring because there's a lot of, a lot of schools that um, didn't even have a spring season that undeclared and um, weren't able to travel. And, And we're fortunate that, you know, we had those resources to be able to keep our kids safe and, and not have those, uh, you know, COVID, um, what do you call it? Just COVID outbursts in, 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 you know, with the, within the student body or staff and everything. We, uh, they've done such a great job that um, allowed us to be able to, to be safe and, and travel. And, um, you know, I, I try to make it fun too with, with the guys when we travel. Like, even if we have a rough day, I'll say, hey guys, this was the, the lowest final round we've ever shot, you know, or lowest second round we've ever shot in school history, just to keep it light. And, um, you know, just, I always just try to keep them in the loop and remind them like you guys are, you know, no matter what you guys do good or bad from this point on, you're always going to be known as the first team ever. So, you know, how, you know, you go back to schools and they have that black and white photo, of a team and they always go back to that first one. This was the first ever team basketball team or football team or whatever. Um, so that's, that's really cool. And, um, definitely special for me just being from San Antonio and, and, you know, growing up here and and being a part of of a community that really helped me kind of get to where I am. So it's, it's pretty, pretty exciting. Now, do you have any small victories or any of the victories that you've been super proud of as being a new and the first coach here at Texas A&M San Antonio? Um, probably number one, nobody got COVID, which is 
Awesome. That's great. That, that's that's, that's great. a plus because we, we have we have five five players on the team this spring. Uh, we have a small group, but um, definitely just, you know, keeping them all safe and uh, just getting to travel and uh, going to that first tournament. We had our first tournament in Houston and, and uh, you know, we got to play and, and just seeing them and their, you know, uh, A&M shirts and, and A&M San Antonio shirts with the, with the Jaguar and um, just kind of seeing how it's developed, you know, from starting April 1st to starting to talk to my first recruits, you know, and, um, you know, so like I have a, a player from um, Illinois who, you know, was like my very first online recruit that we have, you know, an online form that we receive recruits and, you know, he'll always be known as that first player that, that sent an email to our no we no head coach yet or no no other positions but we had that recruit form and, and um, so it, it's cool to see how everything's come together you know starting to talk to these people these players and recruiting and ordering gear and stuff and just kind of seeing it all full circle as we get out to to our first tournament that's something that uh, you know that first picture that we took was was pretty cool and and exciting and um probably the coolest thing was our first tournament uh you know we kind of broke the ice a little bit and um I've never done this but I actually did a grito in the van because they were they were getting pumped up with the Hano music on the way to the course and that that was definitely a first ever for me with the team but um but you know they're they're a really cool group of guys that uh, are you know excited for this opportunity and um just to kind of see where it's going to go in the next couple of years. I got a nice little picture of y'all right here. Uh, it looks like y'all are on the Canyons course, and it looks like – is that the green on number – No, that's, a, that's the 18th on the Oaks course. 18th it's on kinda, the Oaks, okay. Yeah, that's that's the left okay, front okay. side there. Okay, yeah, 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 you're right. Okay. Hey, I was close, all right, because <laughs> is it's kind of close. It's kind of close, but still far away. So, yeah, I just I, I just wanted to document that that tournament because you know they they were very lucky they got to play our very first tournament we played at, at Houston Golf Club of Houston where they have the shell tournament and then their second tournament was TPC so um, you know they played two tough courses I'm like you guys are spoiled you playing two PGA Tour level golf courses your first two tournaments out but um, you know I I wanted to make it special this semester because it's you know. It's brand new. It's exciting. That, that is awesome. Those are, those are great tracks. Now, the big tournament going on right now this week in PGA is the Masters. Now, I was also looking, uh, digging, I was digging through your Facebook for some stuff, right, for doing some research. And I saw that you were at the Masters. Were you there for, like, practice rounds or were you there for the actual rounds? Tell me. Give me the scoop. Yeah, I was really lucky in 2010 um, – which was my last full year on tour when I had my card. Um, you know, I, I knew we, we were able to get into the Masters with our LPGA card. So, um, yeah, I'll never forget that year because I had a tournament in Daytona, Florida. So I drove up a couple days early for the week and drove straight to Augusta. Um, obviously didn't stay in Augusta because the Motel 6 there is like $300 during the Masters. But uh, yeah, I, I got to go, um, just spent the whole day there on Monday, uh, practice round day and just, you know, it's one of those tournaments where like 
I was just more in awe of seeing the golf course than than really watching the player. Just like the TV just doesn't do it justice. It's like, you know, they got a pair of scissors and just went out in the whole course and just started cutting. Um, it's just, you know, even playing tournaments on the LPGA, just the quality and the pristine condition is just ridiculously cool to to see in person. And um, yeah, so I just hung out and ate pimento cheese sandwiches and ate like a whole bunch of stuff for like 10 bucks. And um, just, you know, I, I was there by myself because I was going to tournament. And I mean, I literally, literally was there from 7 a.m. till 7 p.m. just hanging out then I had to drive about seven hours to to Florida so but I mean it was a once in a lifetime thing I said hey I have to do this so oh yeah but okay so tell me that how because I guess uh you were an LPGA you're on the tour and so you had the ability to get a ticket to Augusta or what no we actually we used our our IDs like our LPGA credentials we were, were able to get in with those. Oh, so, so I wish I wish I didn't have a tournament because I would have I would have like camped out in my car and stayed there all week if if I didn't. But uh, yeah, that was a, a really cool opportunity to have, and uh, I, I was able to go twice. And in 2016, I think I actually won that lottery and won the practice round tickets. Um, so I got tickets to go um, for a practice round. I think it was like Monday or Tuesday. Um, you know, I always think back because my, my college coach, um, we had a chance, we played a, a college tournament in, in Georgia. Um, I think it was my junior year and somebody got us tickets to go see, uh, one of the practice round days. So I was just over the moon because I was just, you know, that's my favorite tournament. I was just so excited. So we get there and, and we're sitting in the parking lot for like five or six hours and, it was the first time in master's history that they canceled the practice round due to weather. So um, that was a bummer, but, and I was bawling in the van, but my coach said, you'll get back here one day. You'll get back here one day. So when I went my very first time, I actually thought of that and, and thought of my coach telling me that, which was, which was pretty cool to, to remember. Now, what, I know everything I hear. Everything is super cheap there. I know the beer, the beers are cheap. I know the, what is it? Uh, the, they have lemonade. I know what is it? You have to have a peach ice cream sandwich, right? I guess that's one of the things, the barbecue sandwich, the pimento cheese. Now I am not a big fan of pimento cheese. I, I, I just, I cannot stand it, but is it, is it taste a lot different being there? I mean, I mean, at this point it, it could have been like, cat food and I was at the masters. I was like, let me have one of those, one of those, one of those. I want to try, I want to try everything. So, I mean, it could have been like dog food or something in the, in the sandwich. And, um, but I mean, it, it it's all tastes like a cheese dip almost in, in bread, but, um, but no, I mean, it, it was pretty good. Now who won that first year you were there? Oh gosh, I have no idea. Oh. 2010. Okay. I, I don't I'm remember. I'm going to have to Google that one. Now, hmm. Did you, what about 2016 when you went? Did you know? <laughs> I, I want to guess Tiger Woods. That, that's my best option. My my best odds to to pick him. No, I I really don't know because I, I didn't I didn't really watch. Well, 2016 I watched, but I told you I'm 40. I can't remember that far back. <laughs> oh, that's right. You know what? Yeah, my my memory does. I'm 41. My memory does struggle a bit. 
Now, what would you say uh, was your favorite hole as you were there on the premises there at Augusta? What was your favorite hole that just really kind of did it for you? Um, it was probably 16, the par three, 15 and 16, I would say. Um, just seeing, uh, because 15 is at par five, and just seeing the lies that they're hitting those irons into the green, like it's a, like a downhill lie and the, the green is like sloping like this and just seeing how small the window is. Like if you don't land it on above that top half, that ball is probably going to come back, come back down. And, and I remember watching uh, Jim Furyk hit a couple of balls in, in the water on that hole, but um, I would probably say 16 because it's cool to see him do the, you know, skipping the ball across the water. Um, that's, that's pretty neat to watch. Um, so I would probably have to say like that little area out there. Well, that's a pretty famous, uh, number 16 is pretty famous hole when you have tiger, uh, you got, you got tiger, tiger woods, uh, you know, chipping off of there and, you know, and sinking that big, that, that chip right there. And then last year he almost, or in 2019, he almost holds, you almost mm-hmm. hold that that par three. I remember uh, that. Now it looks it looks so fake. Is the the grass just like unbelievable there? That that's that's what I was kind of getting at. You know, when I first walked in and and just seeing like it 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 was so green and so perfect that it just looks like somebody laid out you know astroturf all over the golf course to see you know the fairways look like putting greens here, you know, um, just, uh, how smooth and how green they were and, and, and how like low cut they were. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I've seen some really nice courses and, but that one, you know, Augusta is definitely on, on another level, just, um, crazy. Just, it, you know, it, it's, you know, it definitely leaves me speechless thinking about words to try to describe, you know, how pretty and, and just green it is out there. Well, I also saw on Facebook, you posted that when you were younger, you took a picture with uh, Lee Elders. Uh, and, you know, he was one of the honorary uh, people that, I mean, he didn't, uh, it was a shame that he did not, you know, due to his health, he wasn't able to hit a tee shot today, but it was awesome that he was being recognized. And did, I know you said you didn't know who it was that I guess your parents were having you take a picture with. And, uh, you know, the magnitude of him, you know, you meeting him, you knowing him and being there at Augusta and also playing on the LPGA, because I thought it was such a great moment, uh, not just for women's or female sports and female golf is when I saw Nancy Lopez hitting that, uh, hitting her, her tee shot off uh, for the inaugural women's uh, Augusta amateur tournament invitational. And like, uh, you know, I coach, I have two, I have two daughters, I'm a coach. I coach girls sports, female sports. And I thought that was such an awesome day. And uh, I think it was, who else was it? It was uh, Lorena Ochoa, right? I think. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Annika Sorenstan, right? I think it was Annika. I think so, yeah. Then, I, think, I think it was uh, Seri Pak. And these were, these, were, these were female golfers that I really followed. Uh, mm-hmm. Like when Annika was there, when Lorena was there, when I really followed those golfers, it was just so awesome to see that they got to do what, you know, the men had been doing for years. Yeah, that, that was, uh, that was definitely a really cool moment. And, and to see, you know, for amateur golf and women's golf in general, having that women's amateur tournament out there is, is really cool. 
um, just, you know, just seeing how things are progressing, you know, over the years and, and, and Lee Elder getting to see him out there. And, um, you know, it, I, and I, when I saw that, you know, it brought back memories like, man, I really need to find that picture. Um, Cause he did a, he did a clinic or something at San Pedro driving range. And uh, it was him. I think there was a couple of other pros and Ronald McDonald was out there. I wanted to take a picture with Ronald McDonald because I knew <laughs> I knew who he was. I didn't really know everyone else. And my mom and dad were like, come take a picture with this guy. Um, and uh, so, you know, looking back at, at those pictures, you know, they're really cool treasures to have, um, you know, from these players that were definitely uh, trailblazers of, of the game, you know, for minorities and um, African-Americans and, and women's golf. Well, okay, 2010 was Phil Mickelson, and then 2016 was Danny Willett. That was when, 2016, that was when Rory kind of had his little, his little meltdown. Yeah, so was, was that Phil's first green jacket? No, it was, I think it was his second. I think oh, it was, okay. No, no, it's, I'm sorry, it was his third. He won in 2004, oh, okay. 2006, and then 2010. I was so, going to say, I should know when he won his first one, because he was one of my favorite, you know, followers. I used to like watching, watching him play. Uh, you know what, he he's up there and I, I think a little bit of his uh, you know playing in the Tiger Woods era I, I think it kind of you know it, he, he was obviously second fiddle to Tiger Woods and but just imagine if uh, Tiger wasn't around you know I think we'd be saying the same things about Phil but mm-hmm. uh, Phil got his and I, I like his attitude I do like I do like his attitude and I can't wait to see him he's gonna be a good commentator I know he's already done it a couple of times and I can't wait to see that him and him and Bones are gonna pair up on out on the course together. <laughs> They're gonna rekindle their romance from the course. And rekindle their relationship. Yeah. All right. Now a little bit lighter side of golf. Uh, what is your favorite golf movie? Um, Happy Gilmore for sure. That one's funny, and I've probably watched that one a hundred times. That's probably the only movie. You know, I get mad at these people that can quote all these different movies. That's the only one that I can quote more than one thing from uh, you know it, it's always one of, it's one of my favorite parts but it has nothing to really do with golf it's right at the beginning when his girlfriend leaves him and he's singing to her right <laughs> he's singing <laughs> to her you know and uh through the little i guess through the little mic right the speaker right and then that Asian lady passes by and she comes in and the next morning he leaves and you see that Asian lady come out in his, in one of his hockey jerseys. You don't want and, breakfast. Yeah, you don't want breakfast. I'm just yeah. like, I said, that that's, was that's, one of my That's favorite. hilarious. The, the line that I say the most from that movie is, is when he's at the putt-putt and he gets mad and he, he puts towards the, trying to get in the clown's mouth and he keeps spitting it back. And he's like, you're going to die, clown. So whenever, like, I miss a putt, just, you know, when I'm playing with friends or something, I always say that, like, when I get mad and I'm like, you're going to die, clown. Just, just, I don't know why I just say that all the time. Well, I like to say, I was like, hey, you want to go to Red Lobster? You know? <laughs> you want to go to the center and get some grub? <laughs> some people don't pick up on those things, you know? They, <laughs> they don't pick up on it, you know? So it's nice when somebody actually does. Yeah, I, I find myself saying quotes and stuff like that from from movies, and then I, you know, I'll, I'll say stuff to my my players, and I'm like, are, are, were they even old enough to remember that movie? Um, but you know, it definitely gets to that point where like it dates you. But uh, I mean, if they play golf, I'm sure they all know those, you know, the, all the golf movies, even oh, yeah. Caddyshack. Oh yeah, uh, favorite course 
around the South Texas area or here in San Antonio specifically? I know you told me this when we spoke previously, but you know, I want to, I want everybody to hear it on the podcast. Oh, uh, well, if it's courses that are no longer open, I would say Pecan Valley. Uh, that was definitely uh, my favorite course. I worked there in the pro shop and, and did some teaching out there and, and practice where I spent most of my time practicing when I was playing. And um, God, it was just, it was just a great course the layout, and it was a tough course. If I could shoot, you know, two or three over there, you know, I was playing well. I was really happy with where my game was, and um, that's probably the one that, that jumps out the most. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I can't really think of – obviously, Brackenridge, um, I grew up playing there. Um, I I probably have like 9 million and 48,000 steps at Brackenridge, but um, <laughs> just seeing, you know, how it's changed and, and, you know, just the history there. I love the clubhouse um, and, you know, it making it how it is now. It, it's, it's very nostalgic and it's, it's really cool to, to go back there and just, you know, my grandpa was a caddy there a long time ago and they still have the little starter shack and all that. So uh, it definitely brings back, you know, a lot of childhood memories. So I'd have to say uh, Brackenridge for sure too. Favorite course that you've played uh, in all your rounds or one of the top, top rounds or one of the top courses that you've played in the world or in the country. Um, I would probably have to say Oakmont. Uh, that's where I, I played my 2010 U.S. Women's Open. And um, that was uh, like playing golf, uh, like extreme golf. It was uh, definitely the hardest course that I've ever played. I mean, the strength of my game at the time was hitting it in the fairway. Um, but uh, those greens were... Um, it's funny because I played the video game to practice for going to the <laughs> open and, and just the, it's crazy how precise the breaks are on the video game to the actual greens. Um, and the greens were so tough. I'm, I mean, I don't know. Um, but to me, it was weird that they had an actual, they, they had the, the course yardage book and then they had a yardage book just for the greens. Cause there was just so much to them. Um, it was insane. It was like, yay, I'm on the green, but like, oh, wait, I still have to make this, you know, five footer that's going to probably roll in the water or something if I just breathe on it too hard. It, just one of those things where it was just like we played some tough courses, but this one was just like if you hit it a couple of feet off of where you're trying to hit it, you know, there goes a triple or, you know, just the rough was insane. Um, probably the toughest rough that, that I played in, um, but it was definitely extreme golf, a course that I, I won't forget for sure. All right. Now I got Larry Espinosa. Great interview. Good luck, Coach Christie. Thank you. Let's see. I got a, another one right here. Uh, Felipe Keens, how many holes in one or where at? Do you, all right. So do you have a hole in one or how many? I do. I have seven of them. And uh, I'm, getting, okay. I'm getting old, so I can't even remember. Is over. Podcast is over. <laughs> I, I have yet to have one. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Go get one. <laughs> uh, my very first one was at Riverside, part three. I count it because I was a kid when I made it. Um, Which but, part? Uh, um, it was hole number three. Hole number three, oh, the oh, one that goes three. towards the, the river, the San Antonio yeah. River. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and... and uh, 
I'll, I'll never forget the one that I remember the most was um, I was running late and I was meeting some buddies to play Riverside, the, the big course. And it was on six, seven, number is it seven, the par three, I think. Seven. Yeah, number seven, the one right there by the kind of like where by the, the maintenance park, barn. Yeah, yeah. I, I was running late, so I was going to join them on the back nine. Ended up getting there a little bit early, so I was like, "Hey, I'll go meet y'all wherever you're at." And they're like, "Oh, we're going to seven. So I roll up to seven, and it's my very first hole, and take a couple swings, and I make it on the first hole, and they're like, "Go home, get out of here." And <laughs> I was like, "I'm sorry, can't help it." But uh, that that one. Uh, I got a lot of backlash for that one, but, uh, but no, it's, uh, I, I've just had some, I had some good luck. One of them was in a match play, um, but I still lost the match, unfortunately, but. Uh, that was the one in college, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it was in high school, uh, my junior year. And you said, he, oh yeah, yeah, okay, high school, junior year. And then I know I had one at Cedar on, I think, 16, or no, not Cedar, yeah, 16, the one before you go up the hill on that par four. Yes, yes. The one before you go up that that uh, par four incline. Yes. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's now what is it? It's now uh, it's now is seven. It now seven. Okay. Seven I didn't now. know. I didn't know they moved them around. They changed them one way and then right. I think this is like the second or third time they they flipped mm-hmm. them. Well, uh, your favorite golf memory. Ooh, um, that's a tough one. I'd probably say my biggest one would be in 2005 when I uh, got my LPGA card. I went through, uh, cause back then you had like uh, one stage, which was either in, in California or Florida. And then you went to the next stage, which was in Florida. And then you went to the final stage. So that's probably my, my best memory because it, it got me to, um, you know, play on the LPGA and that's when I got my LPGA card. So I, I went through, uh, three qualifying different qualifying stages. And then, um, after the five rounds of the final stage, I was in a tie and there was seven of us for three spots, I believe. So we had to go in a three hole playoff for, you know, you were either going to get your full card or, or not. So, um, so yeah, there was five of us and, and we played three holes and thankfully I, I birdied one of them, finished one under and, and got one of the spots. And um, that's probably the most emotional I've ever been on the golf course. I just like, cause it, it was going to change my career. Like it was starting my career and I just, you know, like, wow, that's when I realized like my dream came true. I'm going to play on the LPGA, you know? So uh, that's definitely a, a fond memory that probably the, my favorite one. Who are you playing your last round of golf with? Oh, that's a good one. Sheesh. Probably have to play. I would, I would guess uh, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods and uh, my dad. My dad didn't even play golf, but, uh, I mean, he, he, he probably could be, after reading all the books and magazines and stuff that he would read, but. <laughs> Probably Tiger Woods and my dad and, and my brothers probably. It depends how many we could have in the group. But hey, you you can have as many as you like. It's, <laughs> it's, it's your last. It's your last. <laughs> it's my last round. I better make it last. <laughs> uh, favorite LPGA player, or or which 
LB, LPGA p- player did you look up to as you were going through through the tour? Yeah, it would definitely have to be uh, Nancy Lopez. Um, she was the only one that I kind of stood out because she looked like me as a kid, you know, just skin color and like, oh, she, you know, and her last name, she was Hispanic. And um, I believe she was the only one at the time. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I looked up to her and admired her and um, probably Lorena Ochoa too. Just, you know, she, I actually knew her, met her starting at the age of, I was 10 and she was eight. I met her at the junior world championship. So have known how much of a stud she was since she was, you know, young and um, just kind of seeing her progress and then, you know, seeing her on the LPGA and she was, she was, <coughs> excuse me. She was such an ambassador for the game, not only for Hispanics and Mexicans, you know, she'd go to a tournament and, um, you know, buy dinners for the the maintenance staff at the course and um, just such a great ambassador and, and role model for uh, just a good, you know, representative of, of the community. So I uh, definitely admired her for that. I totally agree. I think she is a great ambassador. It was funny because I say about three years ago, we went to a trip in Mexico and uh, Puerto Vallarta and I'm on a run by, I'm going on a run by the water and I see a a statue right by the water and it's of a golfer. And I'm just like, hold on, hold on. I need to check this out. Right. So I go up there and it's a statue of Lorena Ochoa and I'm just over here like, people are looking at me like, what is this guy doing? I'm taking pictures and stuff of, of, you know, I was like, I was like, man, like golf is just golf is consumes me so much. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's Lorena, a statue of her. And just, you know, she has, she's done a lot of the, a lot for the game of golf for, for Hispanics, for Mexicans, uh, getting them, getting them out there. And I know she does a lot, uh, you know, still in the, you know, for the country of Mexico to really like encourage and promote it. I know she has, she started a school and a a foundation and, uh, you know, a funny story about her. I, I played in an LPGA event, event in Mexico City uh, one year, and uh, it was a pretty prestigious course. Like, um, you know, you hear a lot of things about kidnappings and stuff. So they had military police at the entrance. They had the those vaquero cops. Like, it was kind of in kind of in a bowl or a quarry. Um, they were the police, military police on horses around the perimeter of the course. Um, and then when, when we would go in, um, you know, I would warm up and one day I was walking back to the clubhouse and I see this whole group of these big guys and, and military police and police kind of walking in this little group towards me. And I kind of peeked in there and I see, could see Lorena and Choa and the, her little posse there. Like, you know, she had about seven or eight, you know, uh, security or police or military police around her at all times just you know for her safety and 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 when you see that that definitely shows like you know she's somebody there you know and and uh, that that was pretty cool to 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 see that now what is one thing that can really get under your skin as you're playing your round of golf is it just you know somebody playing music somebody uh, smoking somebody, what is something or somebody tell you a nice shot when you, you don't have a nice shot? What's something that can get under your skin as you're playing around? Um, I've never really been that type of person that somebody else's game or, or attitude or whatever going on is, has affected me. 
it's more of the, like I get in my own way. So I have enough going on trying to battle what I have going on in my head that I, you know, I, I don't really things that happen around, like I, I really don't get phased by. Um, but if I had to pick something, it would probably uh, just be slow play, like just having to wait around, um, especially if you're, you know, in a situation tournament wise in contention or something, that's the last thing you want to do is, is be waiting around because um, the more you have time to stand around and, and wait on a shot, it's just more time to get bad thoughts in your head. So that would probably be, be the only thing. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, you like to be in a rhythm. You don't want to get any any of that negative bad juju in your mind or whatever. It just especially if you're playing well, you, you hey, you just can't wait for the next shot. Yeah. Now, uh, one of the one of the last things is what's the best tip that someone has ever given you, whether it's mentally, fundamentally, technically. Uh, just what's the best tip that somebody's given you? Oh, that's a good one. Probably the one thing, um, you know, I, I had, I was fortunate to have, you know, back in the day, the, the city had clinics every weekend where they had a little part three tournament and gave us a hot dog, and free lessons, uh, clinics for kids. And, um, and also I, I met uh, instructor Bob Putt, who was at Santerra at the time, and he's a PGA, master PGA professional and um, was fortunate enough to be able to go go over there and, and get some lessons and uh you know he gave me my first lessons out of the bunker um when I was about nine or ten years old and that's one of my strengths uh my short game um and on the range one thing that he he taught me and I still use it to this day is it was gcast and that was grip club aim stance so that was my little like one two three four where I was like okay first I gotta take my grip Next, I got to put my club down and then next I got to do like aim and then next I take my stance and then I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, and that's, you know, just kind of focusing on number one, the fundamentals. You know, my tempo was usually there. It was just getting those steps right. So I didn't line up wrong because I, I struggle sometimes with my alignment. So um, that's something that he taught me when I was sometime between 10 and 12 and, you know, I, I still, still use it to this day. So um, that, that's definitely one thing that, that I remember. All right. The last thing you recently signed on to be a part of on par golf. Now uh, I had Ray Gars on the show. He was on episode 18 right now. You are, this is number 48. So that was 30, <laughs> that was 30 episodes ago. And Ray's been a good guy and helping me. And he's a, he's a great, a great person to really grow and help uh, people and teach people, instruct people in this game of golf. And he's really good with the relationships. So how did this come to be? Cause he's built a hella good squad of a team uh, for on par golf. Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come back to San Antonio because I, you know, I knew different people just, growing up around the game and, and wanted to be a part of something to, to just be able to help and continue, you know, sharing the passion of, of, of teaching the game. Um, and, you know, I, I've known Ray Garza since, you know, high school, he, he, he played in, in high school the same time I did. So we saw each other at a lot of high school tournaments and a lot of uh, San Antonio junior golf association tournaments. 
Um, so I know, you know, what kind of guy he is, um, a very nice guy. And, and um, obviously starting up this, the Ampar Golf, um, you know, their, their best asset with all the instructors, just seeing who they've, they've brought on, um, all share the, the common, common interest of just being passionate about the game and passionate about working um, with kids and, and, and others to, to teach them the game. And um, just to kind of see what he's done with on par golf in, in the last year is, is, is awesome. And, you know, I'm always rooting for, for those people that, that I know that, that uh, have similar backgrounds to me because I, I want them to be successful. So, um, you know, knowing, knowing Ray, knowing the type of guy he is and, and who he has around working with him is, um, you know, it was just like, how do I be a part of this? Like, I want to, I want to, I want to get on that train and, and be a part of it and, and help him be successful and, and work together just to, to grow the game and, and share the passion of, of teaching and in the community of San Antonio. Well, I think uh, Ray's a great guy. Uh, he's a good people person. And from what I hear from some of his students and the people that work with him is that it's, it's about the relationship and about mm-hmm. how he communicates with people. He doesn't belittle people. Uh, he's really good at what he does. And you know what? He's got, you got the track man too. Y'all got the, you got the technology behind y'all too. You got top, the top rated technology. And so it's Absolutely. not just, uh, it's not just something, it's not just, you know, regular instruction. You know, there's a, uh, there's numbers, there's the swings and, uh, I wish y'all nothing but the best. And I here, I even put y'all right here. I got a onpargolf.net right there at the bottom. If you want to reach out to Christy, reach out to any of Ray's instructors right there. Now, which facility are you working out of? Are you working out of Mission One or out of Cedar? Um, right now, just uh, I live actually live down the street from UTSA, so Cedar Creek is is very close to me. Um, but you know, we can kind of circulate back and forth. Um, but yeah, Cedar Creek is, is the most recent one that, that they added on. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, cool to kind of get up and running and, and just being able to utilize the, the facility, the, the grass out at Cedar Creek is coming along really nicely. It's, it's greening up out there. And, um, but yeah, just, uh, excited to, to be a part of it. Now, uh, I've got a couple more things here real quick. Okay. Uh, in regards to being uh, 40 years old, my buddy Jeremiah goes, 40 is the new 30. <laughs> 40 is yes. the new 30. But that, that's, what, that's what old people say. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, the, dude, okay. the kids, they, when I ask them a question, I'm like, oh, how old are they? And they're like, oh, they're old. I'm like, well, how old is old? They're like, oh, they're in their 30s. I'm like, oh, my gosh. They're, they're old is, I'm, I'm old, but uh, – but no, I, I don't feel my age. You know, I, I try to, uh, you know, try to, you know, work out and try to stay active just to, to be able to, um, you know, when you get to that age where you're not like, you know, in a wheelchair, you know, you just, you want to, you want to try to stay active, as active as you can, but I, cause I feel like when I'm not active, not moving around, that's when everything starts getting, you know, my, my neck and my back, everything just kind of starts tightening up and just trying to stay um, active and getting out to play, play a little bit more too. Well, here, I got one more right here. A uh, great show as usual and a very awesome guest wishing Christy all the best. Thank you. Now, did you have any questions for me? Um, I don't think so. It's cool to, cool to be a part of the show and, uh, definitely have to get Rowdy back out to Tamusa and do a, do a dance off and, and bring the good, the good one so we can see his, his, all his skills. 
Well, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. If you wouldn't mind just kind of sticking on just so I can kind of close out with you uh, off the show. But uh, like I said, you can reach Christy at On Par Golf. Please visit On Par Golf at uh, onpargolf.net. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of people rooting for you uh, to do really well at Texas A&M San Antonio. You're a homegrown product. You've done a lot for the game of golf here in San Antonio. You've done a lot for, uh, you know, junior golf and females, uh, you know, women's golf here in town. And uh, thank you for all that you've done. Chris. Thank you. Thanks for Thanks for having me on the show. All right. Like I said, stay on uh, just for a little bit. I'd appreciate it. Okay. All right, folks, thank y'all for tuning in. I really appreciate you. Thank you to my sponsor, gold sponsor, Michael Ayagide. Make sure for any of your financial advising needs, make sure you hit up Mike. Uh, he's a great guy, especially like I stated in this COVID time with all of the uncertainty. Uh, just, just reach out to Mike at www.michael-agide.com. Uh, he's super passionate about what he does, about helping people and really helping uh y'all get and plan for the future he's a really good dude i wouldn't be connected with him if i didn't believe in him and he's working for me right now as well uh thanks for tuning in please subscribe rate leave a review uh hit me up let me know who you want to see on the show next out of the south texas or san antonio area remember in the game of life nothing is ob